yes, there are a lot of emails in automation. I do look at automation as more of a client journey experience and not just marketing nurture emails. Once a client says yes, and they've paid for your services, especially if you have like a package, that onboarding experience that you create for them could all be automated. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Mary Sue. I'm very excited that you're joining me here today. Thank you. I'm excited as well. After many, many years of popping up and seeing each other online and listening to each other and being in each other's circles of influence, today is the day we finally meet, kind of in person, on Zoom. (laughs) It's been a while. It's fantastic to have you here. You uh, help people to level up their business using automation. Why don't you share a little bit about what makes you different, what it is that you do, and I'd love a little story about how you got to be here doing what you do. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll start with that. So I I do have a technology management degree, master's degree, and that's what I've always done in my work. And if you've gone to college in the last 20 years, you probably used one of the tools I worked at, which was Blackboard. (laughs) So (laughs) always... (laughs) <laughs> always been in uh, software development. And when I left corporate and I was, you know, providing my services to other tech companies, I came across a lot of business owners that were really struggling with the technology piece. And I was loving it. You know, I was loving learning about all the little tools that you could use and how to work smarter in my business and get things automated. And I decided actually to pivot to helping going from bigger tech companies to helping small companies because I felt like I would have a bigger impact Mm. and I've loved it. Also, to be fair, I hated networking to meet the buyers at tech companies. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Networking with business owners is much more fun. The impact part was really profound. And I would say every time I work with a client, it's exciting to see how they start to really feel comfortable and confident in what they're doing with their technology and the things that they're able to do once it actually works. Mm. So I love that because I think so many people think that they can make a bigger impact or sort of make that pivot from small business into corporate. And I love that you've done it back the other way. And you mentioned the impact piece. What was it specifically about the impact for you working with small business owners? Well, it was almost immediate. You know, once you implement a tool and then automate a workflow, the business owner immediately gets, they get their time back or Mm -hmm. they start, you know, impacts their new clients onboarding because now it's just beautifully automated. Whereas, you know, working with a bigger company, the impact is so long term, you know, Mm -hmm. it's slow to see. So it was very gratifying and very immediate, very American to 
yeah. gratification. <laughs> Absolutely. I talk about corporates being like cruise ships. It takes them a long time yeah. to slow down, a long time to turn around. You know, they might even think about going for a bit before they even start to slow down. Where I, I feel like entrepreneurs and small business owners are like speedboats. They can just like <laughs> flip and be off in another way and in direction at, you know, that very, very quickly. Analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're all about boutiquing the brand. Can you tell me what that means? Because I think this sounds super cool. Yes. Well, when I was writing my book, you know, I kept asking myself, well, what's work smarter about that? What's work smarter about that? And I realized that when you niche down and you have a clear ideal client, it makes automating so much simpler. So when I work with clients, if they're kind of in that phase where they're still niching down or they don't have any clue, anyone's their client, it could be, you know, larger, small business, it could be a solopreneur, the communications that they send out through an automation are going to be wildly different. So it makes Mm. it very difficult to automate. But when you know that you serve coaches and you provide business consulting to those coaches all of your communications is much more clear. Mm. And I was thinking, well, how do I describe that concept? And I thought of this cute store near my house called Lemoncello, which is a boutique for, you know, middle-aged ladies in our neighborhood that have some money to drop, mm-hmm. you know, and when you go in that store, they know who they're selling to mm. and they know the exact size of that person that they're selling to and how much they'd be willing to spend on a particular item. I already want to go there. I already want to go there. (laughs) You would would like it. I I already Um, know that I would like it. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So the, just being boutique like that makes it so much easier to automate your systems Mm -hmm. because you already know who you're speaking to and your messaging is going to be the same And you know what your client experience is going to be or desired client experiences. So it makes a lot of decision-making much easier when you think of your business as boutique. Mm. So what I'm hearing, and I really want to touch on this before we move on, is that to be able to boutique your brand, you need to know exactly who you are speaking to. Otherwise, you can't build it to what could be the potential that you could have in your business. Yes. This episode is made possible by your podcast concierge. Editing your podcast can be time consuming. Your podcast concierge offers comprehensive and affordable podcast production and social media marketing services to help you grow your podcast and business faster. Go to yourpodcastconcierge.com and book a call via the Let's Talk button on the homepage and receive 50% off your first month when you mention Thought Leaders Business Lab. Let's talk about automation because I know a lot of people think about automation at the beginning and the end of automation is email. When you talk about automation, they think it just means a CRM. It just means having some sort of nurture sequence and that's the end, but that's totally not what it is. And there's a lot of people afraid of automating more than their emails because they feel like their client interactions are not going to be personal. And that's such a huge thing. Can you, I guess, start off by telling us what are the sort of things that we can automate? Yeah. So, yes, there are a lot of emails in automation, 
I do look at automation as more of a client journey experience and not just marketing nurture emails. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, a great example, because we all probably do this, is once a client says yes and they've paid for Mm -hmm. your services, especially if you have like a package, that onboarding experience that you create for them could all be automated. Mm -hmm. You know, you could, and I actually just revamped mine for my own business from, you know, welcome email to the business and then the follow-up communications. I I think of them as communications that go out. So did you download the mobile app? Have you signed up for the training? So each of those emails where you're just kind of bringing them into your community and making sure that they know where all of the assets are, they know how to participate in your community and what the next steps are. So they feel really good about their purchase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is nurturing, but it's not marketing. Yep. Yeah, perfect. So that that's your your email, your onboarding. What are some of the other things that we can automate? And I guess we're still going down the email path, but you know, onboarding, different client interactions, different ways that we can communicate that can be automated, that can be done in a way that still does feel personal. Yeah. So I think automating and a high touch experience, they go hand in hand because at least for me, maybe other people are much better at this, but I get wrapped up in what I'm doing. So I maybe intended to send a follow-up email to someone and then I didn't. Mm -hmm. So now it's a day, it's two days, and I didn't send that follow-up email to my new client. Mm -hmm. So my new client's sitting there and kind of was like, well, what's going on? Mm -hmm. That's not Mm -hmm. very personal to me. So I look at it as a trade-off that being really intentional about, about defining the experience you want and then creating, crafting communications that are incredibly personal. So that because if you have a CRM and you're collecting data about that person, you could actually pull that into the email. So I do have one client who is a dyslexia coach. Mm-hmm. So she helps families that where their, their child is dyslexic and they need help getting the services they should get from their school. And so everything she does is really personalized. And so we have several data elements in the CRM Mm -hmm. that she pulls into emails Mm -hmm. about the student, if they're a he or a she, so that the email doesn't sound like they. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's (laughs) an actual real person on the other side of that email. Right. Yeah. So we collect the kid's full name as well as the kid's first name and then the pronouns. Mm -hmm. That is very complex to do it that way, but that's what she wanted to make it feel personalized. Mm -hmm. And she shifted from doing everything manual to automated because she wanted to make a bigger impact. She couldn't Mm. serve as many students as she wanted to serve because everything was by hand. Mm. So that's what pushed her towards automation. I love this because we think of automation being not personal, but in actual fact, What you've just shared there is that by automating that, we're able to give more touch points, which in turn makes your new client feel much more seen, heard, valued. There's nothing worse than signing up to a program and not knowing what's next. You know, just putting your credit card in and just like sitting there, (laughs) just kind of twiddling your thumbs going, okay, have I just put my credit card into some, you know, Nigerian prince's account or like (laughs) what's happening here? (laughs) Yes. 
Well, and in most systems today, you could do both email and text. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I signed up for this conference and I never got a confirmation email. Mm-hmm. And because I entered my email wrong. So it was my fault. But if they had also asked for my phone number and texted me, I at least would have gotten something, mm. you know, so the combo can also help because everyone makes mistakes and people maybe check their texts more than they do their email. It doesn't get lost as much. So I also like that, but you can automate other things other than communications. I think that was your original question. Like, yeah, I like to automate the tracking of my metrics. So okay using like a sales pipeline kind of model. So just in my sales process, you know, I want someone to watch the demo of my CRM. Then I want them to schedule a call with me. And then after that, it just, you know, are they interested or are they not interested? And depending on what that answer, then it triggers another, that's actually a series of communications, but it's tracking how many people signed up for the demo, how many people scheduled how many people were actually interested, how many people were not interested, and then how many of those became client. Mm. So I like using the pipeline kind of feature as a tracking tool and automating as much as possible so that I can use it for making decisions. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask. How do you use it? Because having the numbers and having the data is one thing, but how do you then use it to decide, you know, what to change, what to keep, what to tweak? Or, or don't you do that? Uh, I, I totally do that. So I, do you have a quiz by chance, Samantha? I do not have a quiz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is something that you hear constantly that you're supposed to have a quiz. So uh-huh, that's, summer, that's why when you said that, I was like, no, don't have one. <laughs> it's about the well, third time I've been asked this week. <laughs> so I, I created a quiz using, can't remember the tool, but you know, quiz tools are expensive on their own because they have a lot of logic in there. They're like $30 a month at a minimum. Mm-hmm. So I created a, a quiz. I thought it was amazing. And the quiz essentially told people like what should be their next step in investing in digital tools. Mm-hmm. And there were like three outcomes and I made a cool document for each outcome. But because it was costing me an additional $30 a month, I set a timeline that I would reevaluate if this was a good investment. And I had a couple of different lead magnets style things out. They were just PDFs, so they were free. And I I had a, the way I was doing it at the time is I had a theme for the month. I had social posts about that theme and pointing to my lead magnet for the month. Um, And I did that for three different tools, including the quiz. So each month there was one. So when I went and looked at how many people actually took the quiz, it was the lowest number of people were attracted to the quiz than my free lead magnets. Mm. So my coach at the time had, was the one pushing me to have this quiz. And I was like, look, I'm dropping the quiz because it's costing me money. It's not actually bringing in new clients. Mm -hmm. Existing people have taken the quiz, but none of them have become a client. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's not actually helping my business and it's costing me money. My free lead magnets are doing a better job of attracting people that want to work with me. I love this so much. Get the data or make decisions based on the data. I've, and the reason I 
don't have a quiz and who knows by the time this goes to air maybe I will have a quiz I don't know (laughs) but the reason I don't is because I was speaking to so many that say I was bringing me so many leads and then delving a bit deeper and having a conversation with them it wasn't bringing them the right kinds of leads it wasn't bringing them the leads that were converting which to me just went well there's a lot of time and energy put into putting a quiz together like you need a bit of brain power to pull that together you want to make sure that you're attracting your ideal client by you having that data you could actually make that decision and back up to to what you were saying rather than your coach saying, Mary Sue, why don't you listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I what I learned from that is that one, a quiz does take a, an investment of time to figure out exactly how you structure it, the messaging around it. And it probably is worth investing in getting someone to help you do that. Mm, yeah. I mean, I feel like I did as good of a job as I could do and it just wasn't interesting to people. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So obviously automation is one part of leveraging our business, but you also, you talk about three different ways to leverage using automations, which we've just talked about, but also tools and systems. So can you give us an idea of how we can leverage using tools and what sort of tools you recommend that we look into? Yeah. So I am a big proponent of the all-in-one type solution especially if you're a solopreneur or really tiny business where you have you don't have like a tech person, you don't have a marketing automation person trying to learn all those different tools and having them connect with one another is a lot of effort and you're going to be wasting time on the actual integration of those tools and working with support teams. So, I'm a big proponent of all-in-one solutions. I have my own. So the Work Smarter CRM is the solution that I offer. And it has an all-in-one solution. There's different things that they have in them, but they usually all have a CRM component, email marketing, forms, and landing pages for the most part. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of them will have a lot of other pieces to it. So mine also has like websites, funnels, and online courses an integrated phone system, which probably wouldn't work in Australia, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I was going to say there is another country over here. We're here. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm curious, what tool you use? I use Entreport. Yeah. So Entreport is another all in one kind of solution. Totally. Uh, And that's what I love about it, that it does have all the pieces in one of our other businesses, we use Active Campaign, which needs a few more bolt-ons than Entreport. But yeah. um, Entreport, I've been with for I think eleven years now. Wow, I know, right? <laughs> because you really well, rode that wave. <laughs> I totally rode that wave, and as you would know, just I don't want to move a CRM. I don't want to pull out all of my automations that are there from all of those years. So. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely sticking with them just for ease of use. Yeah, well, you've named a couple of the other ones that I think are pretty good, and um, a lot of people like Kajabi and Kartra. Click ClickFunnels, I don't consider an all-in-one tool. It is, it lacks like really a CRM to me. It's really a funnels tool. Um, Mailchimp is another one that they say they're all-in-one, but mm, I don't um, think again, so. It mm. doesn't really have a CRM certainly has the email marketing part, but it's missing um, kind of managing relationships. That to me is the biggest differentiator. Yeah. That's why I don't like MailChimp. 
It, it is yeah. really, yeah, it, you're unable to create that personalised service or offering. Yeah. So that's your tools. Talk about leveraging systems. What do you mean by leveraging systems? Yeah, so I think of systems, this is always so difficult. So system sounds boring, but it really is, it's like a workflow. It's your process. It is your client journey. I mean, Mm -hmm. when we're a small business, the majority of our systems are related to how we're talking to contacts and clients, prospects it's connecting all those pieces. So one of my kind of mindset shifts is eliminating the checklist because when you're looking at tasks one at a time, you don't see how they connect, how you can optimize your time, how you can streamline it. When you're thinking of it as a workflow, as a process, you will see how you can either eliminate kind of redundant activity, you can add in more robust activity or information. So thinking of it as a workflow, also your client will feel that or your contact doesn't have to be your client, but they will feel that the experience is not disjointed like it would be if it's a task and that is very seamless and connected. Can you give us an idea of a client that you've worked with, obviously not naming them, but where they had a system that wasn't working well and what was that system and how you did go on to change that? Just to give us an idea of the context of what you're talking about here. Yeah. So I have, I mean, I have lots of client stories. Let me think, which one do I want to do here? (laughs) I think my most favorite is last summer, this woman came to me and because of the pandemic, she had to let go of her assistant and her assistant. This is something that I think business owners need to be aware of. She was not techie. So she put all of her eggs in her assistant's basket, but the assistant set up, selected and set up all of her technology. And once Mm -hmm. the assistant was gone, she could not email her community for months. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Because she was using Drip mm-hmm. and what were the other tools? Drip, I would just recall she hated Drip. She had Drip, Acuity, and there was one other one in there. But she couldn't get all of them to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, she had some forms tool, like, mm-hmm. you know, job like form. Gravity like form that. or something like that. Yeah. So people would fill out forms. They would end up in Drip somehow, but she wasn't totally sure where. And then she couldn't actually get emails out. Mm -hmm. And so during the few months over the summer, you know, it was very traumatic to her. So what we did is when she came to the Work Smarter CRM, we pulled in all of her contacts from all these different tools into the Work Smarter CRM. And we just started from the top down, you know, from we usually start with your main lead magnet, getting them, you know, how are you connecting the dots there from she was using lead pages So we created a landing page like her existing ones and replaced it. And then her welcome email series. And then we focused a lot on the actual sales process. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things I usually start with people um, because they will see the most bang for their buck once they start getting new contacts in, having them go through their, you know, sales call process, whatever that is. Mm Awesome. Awesome. Tell us the difference between automation and high touch, because you've mentioned automation. We've talked about high touch, but I'd love you to share what the difference is. 
Yes. So I see them as a combination. So a lot of my clients want to have a high touch experience and they usually tell me, no, I don't want to automate. I want to have a high touch experience. Mm -hmm. And I know they're my client because the experience really matters to them. Mm. But I try to think of it as, you know, your favorite hotel or spa that you go to that really knows what you like, what services you love, or what food you love, and when you last came, like all of that is because of automation. (laughs) It's not because the guy behind the desk actually remembers Mm -hmm. the system is prompting them with information. Mm. So a high touch experience is a combination of the automation components and personalized, like, you know, human touch. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. When you create a high touch experience, you're being very strategic about what's automated and what's not automated Mm. Um, and kind of weaving them together is what creates that high touch experience. Mm. What I was thinking about when you were saying that is the people that create a lead magnet because they know that's what they do, exchange that lead magnet in exchange for an email address and then say, oh, I don't want to email them. I don't want to bother them. (gasps) Oh, I, I usually have the same reaction. Let's let's dive into that, shall we? <laughs> have you read my blog post on, um, I call it hit it or quit it marketing. Oh, I love <laughs> it this. Quit it, not work. Yeah. So I had a client, he has a huge list and he actually is in the entertainment business working with weddings. Mm-hmm. And he kept wanting to send out these like email blasts to his entire list one day a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to get across to him how important it is to continue that relationship. I was like, look, you need to romance your mailing list. Mm. Don't hit it and quit it. And I think he also find, you know, got it. But I think what happens is when you do the once-off emails where you're sending a very promotional kind of thing, like sign up for my class, buy my book, sign up for my program and they're not hearing from you in between, that's when you sound really salesy. Mm-hmm. And all of the metrics out there talking about email say that the more often you email, you build that trust with the person that they like the information you're sending. So they will actually be more inclined to open the email and read it and click on whatever promotion or link you have in there. So you're kind of training them to open your email and training them to at least take the next step. Mm. So sharing educational information is going to help you with your promotional stuff. Mm. It needs to be both. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I love that romance your mailing list. I think that's just, it, I think that's a really great way to think about it. It's not that you're bothering them. It's that you're romancing them. You don't want to not show up. It's like, you don't want to be a ninja and just show up in the dark of night and just go <laughs> here. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> now you have written the book, The Boutique Effect. Tell us about, tell us about the book um, and what inspired you to write it. Yes, I I decided to write it because um, a lot of my clients that I work with don't feel comfortable with technology and they really don't know how to incorporate technology or automation into their business. And when you look at the books that are out there related to that, there's nothing 
for the really small business. You can certainly find a lot of marketing strategy, technology strategy, but they're for a much larger company where they have an IT department and they have a marketing department. So I felt like it was a missing piece and it would certainly help my clients if I had a book that they could reference, which I feel like the way I wrote it, it's almost like half the book is just the strategy concept. And then the second half of the book, there are eight campaigns in there where I lay out the framework for the campaign so that they could go actually implement it. So it's very modular in that, that way. And I am part of why I'm you know, redoing my own onboarding is that I can actually send chunks of the book. Like at this point, you should be, you know, building out your welcome email series. Here's the framework for how you do that. Three months in, you know, kind of the surprise and delight component that we all want to incorporate. Why don't you think about up-leveling your client onboarding? Here's like a little recipe for you to follow for how to do that. Mm. So I did it for my clients because they needed something to help them understand how to do it so that when they were ready, they would be able to do it in a smart, strategic way. Um, And I feel like I did achieve that. And I'm really pleased with, with the book. Yeah, and so you should be. From someone that's written a book, they don't come, they don't just happen overnight. They're a huge undertaking. They are a huge, well, I don't know about you, but for me, a huge source of frustration, (laughs) but it feels very nice when it's finally published. So for people to get a a copy of the Boutique Effect, where should they go, Mary Sue? Um, Go to the website, theboutiqueeffect.com. You can certainly get the book there. I do have it on Kindle now, as well as paperback. And there is a free companion guide that goes with it, which I think is a nice addition. And I am going to be coming out with a workbook where you can actually, it will help you actually write those campaigns that are mentioned in there. Love that. So not just reading the book, but actually implementing, which is what I'm all about. It's fine to have a dream and that's a bit exciting, but you need to be able to do something with that dream and implement it. Mary Sue, if there was one piece of advice that you would like to leave us with today around automation and leveling up our business, what would that be? Uh, One piece of advice that I would give um, new business owners actually is to focus on niching their business and really understanding their ideal client that will make actually automating so much easier for themselves um, that you don't want to jump into a big tech tool before you're ready in your business. It will, it will totally slow you down and Mm -hmm. distract you from what you need to be doing, which is selling. Mm, You are speaking my (laughs) language and yes, the riches are in the niches. (laughs) Mary Sue, thanks so much for coming and joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been great to share another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast with you. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes, the links from today's sponsors, and to download your detailed episode companion for the extensive notes and value bombs we shared today. And if you're looking to connect with other experts and change makers just like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at samanthariley.global forward slash podcast.